Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods. Putting STEM into every classroom, every day. Well, welcome back. This is part two of our interview with Jason Hubbard, a fifth and sixth grade STEM educator at Hull Prairie Intermediate School in Perrysburg, Ohio. And uh, Jason, welcome back to the show, of course. Thanks. Good to be here. And um, just so many great things in in episode one of this uh, two-part sequel uh, here. Um, We're not going to have a trilogy. Don't worry. (laughs) Okay. But uh, again, you can follow Jason on Twitter at JSN Hubbard. Uh, you uh, you said um, that you're you're teaching at a fifth and a sixth grade school, and you guys are doing looping there, and that's a, that's a great idea. Can you tell some people what that's about? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to say it was my idea, but it's not at all. Um, okay. it's a fantastic thing that, and um, I, you know, I'm I'm curious to see how it will after the end of this year. You know, as we reflect on it as teachers, how it went the second year, you know, doing one full loop. But uh, yeah, so the the teachers who taught all of our fifth graders last year are now teaching uh, all of those same sixth graders this year. And so if you were a fifth grader last year here at Hall Prairie, you have the same core team of four teachers as you did last year. So I really think what I see in the sixth graders this year is I see students who are confident uh, and capable. I see them, they already know the rules and routines um, of their team, but also like, for example, in the STEM lab and they, they know how to use their tech. So, you know, when they experience problems, they know how to troubleshoot it right away and they help each other. And it's, it's been a fun atmosphere so far to see the sixth graders part two, you know, back at it again. Yeah. So, so now do you ever have the sixth graders help you with the fifth graders or is that, is that a, a plan at all throughout the year or? That's a great idea. We, we don't have anything set up like that. Um, except maybe through the tech club that I run called the secret society of tinkerers. Um, oh, because well, in that pause, club, pause, you got to tell us about the secret society of tinkerers. That that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I wanted a club at school and I wanted it to be, and now I might get in trouble for this because, you know, we're not supposed to be exclusive, uh, but it is, and it's not really a secret society, but we call it that. Do you have a handshake? Do you have a handshake? I, I can't show you in the podcast for two reasons. Uh, number one, I can't show you because it's a podcast, but number two, I'd have to kill you. It's a secret. Right. Um, yeah. It, I understand. You get it. Okay, good. Completely. Um, so basically, uh, this after school club exists to find problems in our school and solve them through the means of 3d design and 2d design, 3d printing and laser cutting. So that's kind of why we exist. Um, I give you an example. We did a lot of post-it noting last year. We just kind of got kicked off and started last year. Um, we found a lot of problems. We started designing a couple things. Like for example, uh, some of the doors didn't stay open. So one of the, um, one of the girls in the club designed these door stops, um, in Tinkercad. And then we used, uh, the 3d printers to print them. And she embedded the little, uh, secret society of tinkers emblem on the end of the door stop. So we had a lot of fun with our design. Um, 
the we kind of ended the year with the kids. Uh, several of them came to a teacher conference that happened right after school let out, um, and I asked them if we could kind of have a little maker space at the conference and I would bring a bunch of my tinkering club and they were, they designed a makey makey sidewalk basically that made music. Oh wow! And so kind of provided a, a fun atmosphere where teachers could step on these tiles, these foam tiles and they were giant makey makey switches. And the coolest part was one of the students recorded himself playing notes on his violin and so those were the notes that we used instead of just using generic piano sounds or something. Yeah. We student created sounds. So well, it was so cool because the adult teachers would stop by and they would ask the kids and about it. And the kids would just completely share about their own project without any, you know, teacher guidance or anything. It was fantastic. Except, except they didn't tell them the secret handshake, everything else. Though. Of course not. Of okay. course not. That's right. Okay. But that sounds like a, such a cool, simple idea for if you're going to have a club at your school. Um, and, and I know a lot of a lot of educators have found, you know, those kids that enjoy doing makerspace stuff in their classroom or in the makerspace at their school would love to stay extra, would love to do something extra. Um, and that's just a simple way to do it and and put a little bit of fun in it as well and call it a secret society of, of tinkerers or, or whatever you want. Absolutely. And let me tell you a quick story I just found out today. Yeah. So these are, these are the kind of things that come from um, trying new things and, and providing space and time in your busy classroom curriculum and schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a student last year who had the opportunity in STEM class to learn hopscotch. And if you're not familiar with hopscotch, it's an app on the iPad. Um, It's pretty simple coding, drag and drop block coding. Yep. He came up to me at the end of the school day today. I had no idea. It's very shy and quiet boy. And he said, Mr. Robert, I just wanted you to know because you showed me hopscotch last year. I do hopscotch every single day. I've got tons of games on there and two of them are viral. <laughs> and I, so, so I looked him up on hopscotch right before jumping on the podcast here with Chris and I'm thinking viral. So maybe it has like 40 hits or whatever, you know, and uh, one of his games has over 30,000 plays. <laughs> wow. For a, yeah. for a sixth so grader. Here, that's right. And so this student just, he's got a platform, a world platform to share his work. And if I did nothing else, but just kind of push him one direction to have that, what a great thing that could be a, a change maker in a student's life. Yeah. So I'd encourage anybody who's listening to this. Um, don't be afraid to make space in your curriculum to try something new, even if you have no idea how to do it. Yeah. Um, the kids will be right there figuring it out with you. Yeah. Now, I mean, we see that we see it all the time. We see that kids love of the idea of STEM. They love science and technology, engineering and math. You know, sometimes they don't like some of those things because we, we make it just worksheet based or we make it just, I'm going to stand up in front and tell you these things, but, but kids naturally love STEM, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think, um, Uh, So you need structure, right? You need projects and challenges. You need that. But within those things, Mm -hmm. providing some open space, providing the time, providing the materials, um, and letting the students drive a little bit um, through inquiry, 
they just keep coming back. They want so much to do the next thing. They can't wait to keep going with it. Well, and like you talked about in, in episode one of this, this two-part podcast, you talked about the idea of design thinking and when they've got that, that reason behind creating something, it's not, here's a pile of cardboard and hot glue guns and let's just make something, you know, that's not making, that's, that's not maker space. That's not, um, that's not the, the whole maker idea. Um, that's just, that's just crappy crafts, you know, as someone <laughs> once told me, so Right, right. You know, on that note, Chris, um, I used to think that if you push a blank piece of paper in front of a child and give them a pencil and say, create whatever you want, I used to think that you were actually giving them the freedom to create. But I learned in studying creativity that that actually is very stifling many times to the creative process, giving nothing rather giving something with creative constraints actually grows creativity. And so for example, if you give a piece of paper and you just simply draw a letter V on that paper right in the middle and you say, add to this drawing, tell me what you see. You will get drawings of a bird flying through the sky and the V becomes the bird's beak. You know, you will get, one student will turn the paper and the V is actually the top of a mountain and you'll get a mountain scene. So by giving kids in whatever situation, various constraints, we actually promote creativity, more creativity. Yeah. We promote creativity. Um, kids are so creative and, and a lot of times it does, it gets stifled when we, um, when we, when we turn them off to, to all those STEM type things. No, um, everything you've done in your classroom has always worked, right? Everything, every project you've, you've kids, it's worked, right? You don't have any failure stories for us. I wish I did, you know, it's really, <laughs> and it's, it's really hard to be humble here, but <laughs> no, no to be honest with you. Failure I, story. Yeah. Okay. Um, I will share one that I shared recently at a conference and I'm actually hoping to share the same story at uh, the McCall conference. Okay. Um, if the proposal is accepted, but basically uh, I wanted so very badly to do board game design yeah. because I love board games. I'm, I'm very passionate about board games. If I could only get my family to love playing board games <laughs> with me as much as I love playing it, then we'd be uh, they, they spell, square, but they spell board the, the other way. The B-O-R-E-D. Exactly. No, I, I gotta give them credit. My kids love playing board games uh, okay. together. They just, they, it's more like sitting around the table and arguing than it is actually playing board games. Well, it's, it's hard um, because, because dad always wins because he's better at the games than them. That's right. And I never just let them win. What would I be teaching them? Exactly. All right. So no, anyway, so, so board games. So you, I, I think you have to find what it is you're passionate about. Uh, we just, my family and I just watched school of rock last night for the awesome. home team time. Yep. And you know, Jack Black should have never been allowed into a classroom and he lied to get there. But when he got there and he realized these kids didn't know about rock and roll, that was his passion. And he said, this has all got to change. So, uh, I think that we as teachers, we have to take what we're passionate about and start there. So I started with board games. I wanted the kids to make board games that they could play. 
Mm-hmm. So the essential question, actually, we had to find, we went the design thinking route. What is it that we need? But I was kind of driving it a little bit towards the board game thing. Um, how could the board games help us at school? And so the kids confessed that indoor recess happens a lot during certain times of the year and we get really bored with the choices. And so kids misbehave when they're bored. So let's create board games that can be played in 20 minutes or less because indoor recess gets pretty short and they're highly engaging and everybody's clawing to grab that game. We we want highly uh, engaging games. So we played games because we do a lot of play to learn in my class. Yep, exactly. Um, we, right. We analyzed games. So we started breaking them down piece by piece. We actually started with a game that my three-year-old invented called Rolly Rolly Pumpkin Ball. <laughs> and I brought in, uh, you know, Chris loves to just snap pictures and video everywhere he goes and show that there's STEM in everything. Yes, I do. So and you can find, take you can find all those on Twitter at daily STEM. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. And in fact, that's what led me to Chris in the first place. He did this thing called microscope Mondays and that's how I first found you. And I was like, this is great. Just, I love playing this little game on Twitter, but anyways, um, I've taken a page out of Chris's book and anytime I see STEM happening, I try to capture it. Well, my three-year-old invented a game and the family played it and loved it. I took that video and showed it to my students and they picked apart all of the aspects of a game that a three-year-old had invented. And we learned that he had everything in that game that was needed. Wow. He had challenge, he had obstacles, he had rules, he had objectives and it was fantastic. So we moved on from there and the kids made prototypes uh, using cardboard popsicle sticks and googly eyes, which we learned last uh, episode. Those are probably the three basic ingredients of any makerspace. Yep. And basically um, by then playing each other's games, giving feedback, all that good stuff, they created these games. Now here's where the failure comes in. Have you ever been doing a project that went on so long <laughs> that the kids started to act out. They lost the sense of purpose. They got bored and then they looked up and their teacher looked the exact same way. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what happened. No, it's never it's happened. Instant. before. No. You're, okay. You're, cool. the only one, you're the only one ever in, in the world that's ever had that happen in their classroom. <laughs> I was such a failure and now I'm admitting it in this podcast. Anyways, guys, it was awful. Um, I, I didn't call it this in front of the students, but I called it the suck because it basically the, the wind had been sucked out of this entire project Yeah, and something had to change. So the way that I pushed through that was, um, to invent something called the big show. And the big show was basically each team, had five minutes to play their game in front of everybody else. And we, we piled into this small space. Um, it's, it's like a collaborative room in our building, but we called it the war room. And basically they had to prove to us that this was an awesome game. They had to pitch it to us. That's awesome. What ended up happening was they proved to us that every single game was terrible, <laughs> but had elements of greatness. Yeah. And so we identified what was great. We identified what stunk. And from there, then I gave them, 
hey, you guys have been wanting to 3D design for your games. You've been wanting to make your own 3D printed pieces and laser cut pieces. Now's your chance to prove it. You have a week to get your games ready for the final stage. So I think what I learned through that was I give kids too much time to do tasks. Gotcha. And by limiting the amount of time, and I can always back off from my time constraint later on and say, you guys can have a little more time to finish stuff, but you know, but it's that whole idea of creativity and constraints. Sometimes I think I, I learned from my failures that I need to use uh, time as a constraint more to, I think, force them into situations where they need to be creative. Yeah. So I, I love that. I love that idea. Creativity and constraints. Um, that's, that's awesome, Jason. Uh, whether those constraints be time, whether they be the materials, the resource you want the kids to use. And that's a, that's a great lesson for every teacher out there. And, and again, even though it was, you know, in our minds, listening to that great story, uh, a failure, there was elements, like you said, of, of, of success in every single one of those games. And, and overall, I bet, I bet five years down the road, when you see those kids and they're in high school, I bet they're going to say, remember Mr. Hubbard, when we were in your class and we designed those games and then we had to play them in front of everybody in the war room for five minutes. They're going to remember that. That's, that's memorable. That's, and, and, and I guarantee they've all learned from that. That's very cool. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to hear more great ideas from, from Jason, uh, definitely follow him on Twitter at JSN Hubbard. Uh, you can find uh, all sorts of neat things that he's done and keep watching for all the more great things that he does uh, in this school year. Um, one last question for you, Jason, before we let you go, if you could have a guest speaker in your classroom, someone from STEM past or present uh, to talk to your kids, who would you love to have as your guest speaker? Yeah. So this is easy. There's this guy, uh, who teaches math to high schoolers up in the upper peninsula of Michigan, (laughs) but I think, I don't think he's available to get down here. It's quite the drive. So if I had a second choice, okay. (laughs) And that's, that's, that's daily STEM, by the way. Um, if you didn't know, if I had a second choice and I have thought about this question, um, I'm going to choose a very, unlikely person. And if this person, these people actually hear me say this on this podcast, I'm going to challenge them to contact me on Twitter and let's set something up because I would love for my students to learn from them. Um, I'm going to bring up Mike and Matt Smith. They are the creators of the website, homestarrunner.com. Homestar runner. Now, Chris, tell me you've heard of homestar runner. I've heard of Homestar Runner. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, I figured you'd have to, since we're brothers from another mother, we know all the same references. But basically, uh, these guys are not necessarily STEM people, but I consider them STEM people, and I'll tell you why. Um, I don't know everything there is to know about these guys, but I know that they're brothers, and I think uh, when they were in college, or maybe just out of college, on the side, they decided to make Flash based animated cartoons and they put together a website where every week they released a new cartoon and they created this huge cult following of which I was a part of yeah. uh, because it was just plain funny and a nice little break from reality. And these guys did this basically 
um, just out of their love of nostalgia and fun. And they threw in all kinds of great uh, old references, especially old like computer references. Yep. But the gist is this, you can watch the evolution from their very first cartoon until what they've made today. And you can see how things have improved and been iterated and have gotten better. And they've woven in creativity. They've woven in story. They've woven in STEM uh, through animation and movie making. And they've done something that they're definitely passionate about. Yeah. That kind of captures like all those elements go together to create this thing called Homestar Runner, this system that works. Um, and I think that, and they've become entrepreneurs because they've sold merchandise and all that stuff too, which is kind of yep. a, a cool side benefit, but really it just started from them doing something they were passionate about that they really enjoyed. Those are the kind of folks that I want to point my students towards. Yeah. Because I think that some of the best learning can take place when you're doing something that you really care about, that you're passionate about, that you really enjoy. Um, and you're connected with other people who are like-minded. And so I would love to Skype uh, with those guys and my class to have them inspire my students in some of the genius hour and makerspace projects that they take on. All right. Got that homestarrunner.com. If you, uh, if you reach out to Jason Hubbard, you can find him on Twitter at JSN Hubbard. And if anybody listening to this podcast knows him, uh, definitely connect them with Jason. And, and again, everybody connect with Jason and thanks again for, for being on, on this two part episode on, on the STEM everyday podcast. Thanks for having me, Chris. It was a blast. It was, it was a blast listening to all your great ideas and more great ideas on more STEM Everyday podcasts. You can subscribe on iTunes, your favorite podcast app. And if you have questions for me or want to find out more about the show, uh, find me on Twitter at Daily STEM. And until next time, keep looking for STEM in every day and bring it into that classroom. You're listening to this podcast on the ESDAC Broadcasting Network. To find more information about this or other podcast shows, please visit RemarkableChatter.com.